Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, December 13th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm here by myself today because last night, James went to the Broadway production of Meteor Shower, and he texted me to rub it in because I couldn't get a ticket when I was in town and it'll be closed by the time I get back by saying that it is a fantastic show and it is a must-see, so I'm sure he'll give a little bit more detail in his review on this week on Broadway coming up on Sunday. And I do apologize that this episode is not out at its normal time. I was planning for it to come out at its normal time, but last night I got caught up watching the best, most joyous few hours of television that I've seen since, oh, I don't know, before November 8th of 2016. So I apologize and I hope you understand. Either way, Roll Tide, War Eagle. Okay, on to the news. Last night, the Manhattan Theatre Club's production of the Royal Court Theatre's The Children opened at Broadway's Samuel J. Friedman Theatre. Written by Lucy Kirkwood and directed by James McDonald, the show stars the original London cast of Francesca Annis, Ron Cook, and Deborah Finley, and the reviews are quite good. As we've said before, the show takes place in a remote cottage on the lonely British coast where a couple of retired nuclear engineers are living a very quiet life. Outside, the world is in utter chaos following a devastating series of events. When an old friend turns up at their door, they're shocked to discover the real reason for her visit. The New York Times' Jesse Green made the show a critic's pick and wrote, speaking of the cast, quote, To see the three of them maneuver around one another on Miriam Butther's tilted shoebox of a set is to understand what it means to be well-directed. The naturalness of Mr. McDonald's stage movement in such a confined space is central to the containment of energy that makes the play thrilling. It also helps cover for the inevitable little playwriting dodges by which Miss Kirkwood gets each of the characters out of the room at some point so the other two can have a -a tete-a-tete. I didn't mind these occasional fingerprints. Understanding how the thing is done is part of what makes a thriller or a romance enjoyable. In any case, the mechanics detract nothing from the accumulating dread of the story. Details quietly provided early on never fail to explode with importance later. A child's tricycle becomes ominous when you put a Geiger counter near it. Even that nosebleed means something more than you thought it did. Pretty strong. Sarah Holder in a Vulture wrote, quote, The children is a play about responsibility and guilt, reparation and redemption. It's also a British play, so these heavy matters are handled lightly, wryly, approached from the side until circumstances absolutely demand a head-on confrontation. Barbara Schuller, writing for Newsday, said, quote, Ultimately, this is a difficult piece of theater, and the ambiguous, though beautiful, ending presents so many implications it makes the head spin. Whatever the conclusion, anyone who sees the play will find it hard to stop thinking about the universal and troubling issues it raises. Matt Winman of AM New York said, quote, Black humor occasionally pops up, as do secrets from the past. But first and foremost, The Children is a social drama that is disturbing and thought-provoking. These reviews are obviously quite good and exciting, and it, it sounds like this one might be one of those shows that has a larger life regionally after the Broadway run is done. The grosses haven't been great during the show's unusually short preview period, but honestly, this show sounds not much like what MTC normally brings to Broadway, so I hope more people find the chance to see it before it closes on February 4th. Speaking of closings, yesterday we learned about one show's closing and heard rumors about another's. First, in the confirmed bit of news area, as producers announced that the Broadway revival of M. Butterfly will be moving up its closing date from January 14th to this Sunday, 
December 17th. That will leave the court theater empty without a tenant lined up through the holiday season and through next season as there's no shows currently planning on coming to the theater. Of course, we've discussed the upcoming renovations and the addition of an annex that will be taking place over at the theater soon, but there's no official word as to when that will begin, so we will have to wait and see if another show will take the venue for the spring or if the renovations will start as soon as possible. Another theater that we know will have another show coming up soon is the August Wilson, where last night, Michael Riedel reported that the producers of Home for the Holidays have surreptitiously posted a closing notice, but are keeping it quiet in hopes that they can, quote, scrape enough money together to buy the show some time until even more tourists are in town for Christmas and New Year's. The show is currently scheduled to close on December 30th, but that would be a massively embarrassing and disappointing move for a holiday show, which was scheduled for just a six-week holiday run, to close before you even get to the biggest holidays. Fortunately for the August Wilson, as I mentioned before, Mean Girls will be in the space beginning in March. And I think I can safely say that this one will be much better at the box office than Home for the Holidays. In other news yesterday, we got word about two shows that have Broadway intentions moving forward along the developmental line. First, fresh off a successful run at the Berkeley Rep in California, The Temptations musical Ain't Too Proud will play a second pre-Broadway tryout at Washington, D.C.'s Kennedy Center this summer. The show, which features a book by Dominique Moriso, will run from June 19th through July 22nd before theoretically coming to Broadway in the fall, which is what we'd previously heard rumors of that they weren't going to try to force themselves into a less than the desirable theater in the spring just in the hopes of getting to Broadway this season. Also on Tuesday, after the planned Los Angeles run was postponed at the Amundsen, yesterday we learned that Susan Stroman would be leading a four-week lab of Crazy For You in New York beginning on January 2nd. Following a concert version that she staged earlier this year starring Laura Osnes, Tony Yazbak, and a host of other stars, the show was announced to be aiming for Broadway after the LA engagement. However, with the abrupt scheduling change there, it's unclear if this lab will lead directly to a Broadway run or if the intention is still to go out of town, potentially Los Angeles first. So I guess you could just say that Crazy For You is just biding its time. Anyway, so uh, we did the reviews for the children at the top of the show, but I also want to sneak in some short notices for the off-Broadway Cruel Intentions musical, which opened earlier this week at La Pozana Rouge. First, Elizabeth Vincitelli weighs in on the show for the New York Times, noting that the official title for the show is Cruel Intentions, colon, the 90s musical experience. She writes, quote, that the film would get the stage treatment isn't all that surprising, but as the title implies, the nostalgia-filled Cruel Intentions the 90s musical experience isn't a traditional tuner, even by jukebox standards. As it is, Cruel Intentions could run for a while as a semi-staged rock show, but it does feel like an exploratory tryout crying for a fuller production. After all, if Rock of Ages can make a mint from 80s hair metal, there is no reason Cruel Intentions can't do the same for 90s pop rock. Vincitelli's review was quite a bit more positive than some of the other ones I'm going to talk about. Next up, Jonathan Matthews, writing for Time Out in New York, gave the show three out of five stars, saying, quote, Some of the score is satisfyingly subverted. I want it that way, and bye 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 are merged to apply to a forbidden gay fling. Kiss Me creepily keeps its innocent ring as the accompaniment to Catherine teaching Cecile how to get to first base, but most of the songs barely budge the plot, commenting on it instead with a convenient key phrase or two. While its story emphasizes the guilt of pleasure gained at the expense of others, the musical invites you to bop your head along. 
Christian Lewis of HuffPo was worse even yet, saying, quote, In a 90s nostalgia jukebox musical, harnessing the comedy is essential. Perhaps this is what made the performances of the leading pair unsuccessful. Both Rasuli and Zacharin seemed too invested in the seriousness and dramatics of their characters to understand that the musical is mostly an extended piece of sketch comedy with great, and then in parentheses, bad songs. The overacting by the leads made this incarnation slightly less enjoyable than the previous ones. I I don't care. I still am super excited about this and hope I get to see it in some incarnation in the future. The show is currently scheduled to run through January 29th. Finally, a couple of pieces of real quick news. On Tuesday, the Broadway League announced that Thomas Schumacher, the president and producer of Disney Theatrical Productions, had been elected as chairman of the board of the Broadway League. Schumacher takes over for Robert Wankel of the Schubert Organization following the completion of his three-year term. And also yesterday, Broadway HD announced that they would be releasing a streaming version of the Manhattan Theater Club's production of John Patrick Shanley's The Portuguese Kid in 2018. They captured the production, which stars Tony winner Jason Alexander and nominees Sherry Renee Scott and Mary Testa, on Monday, the day after the show officially closed. The official release date for the streaming version on Broadway HD will be announced in the coming weeks. And finally, if you don't follow Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter, which... If you aren't, you're completely doing it wrong. Earlier this week, he crossed the 2 million follower mark and celebrated by trading twos, which means he encouraged followers to write two bars to him, and then he would pick some and respond back with a rhyme of his own. One of the bars that Lin-Man sent out was, Oh, am I tweeting too loud? Sometimes I get overexcited. My head's in a cloud. I never had 2 million followers. I promise that I'll make y'all proud. Or lie and just reply that you're wowed. I won't subject you to any more attempts at rapping, but I will have a link in the show notes if you want to go through them all. It's pretty fun. He gets back and forth with some uh, exchanges with some other fairly famous names and uh, some other musical theater people jump in and he responds. It's really cool. A lot of fun. The hashtag was 2 mil 2 bars I'll have a link to that as well. Anyway, that's all I've got. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt, and subscribe to something at Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. James will be with you tomorrow as I'm seeing the national tour of the Book of Mormon as it sets up shop here in Orlando, and then we will both be back to close out the week on Friday. Talk to you then.